We are continuing our series entitled Stuffed. There are certain things that we are stuffed with, things that can compromise our faith in Christ. And in this series, we are challenging ourselves to give up some of those things, take those things out of our lives in order to make room for God to fill us with what he wants in our lives. In the first week, um, we just kind of looked at the fact that we're stuffed with our stuff. Uh, we were challenged to let go of some of our stuff for God to fill us with generosity. Uh, last week, Brett talked about how we can be stuffed with grudges. And grudges are dangerous because they keep us from moving forward. <clears throat> they keep us from loving others. Uh, they can ruin long-standing relationships with friends and family. And we were challenged to let go of our grudges so that God could fill us with peace. Um, we need to do some personal house cleaning in order to create the space um, for God to be at work in us. One of our new directives is transformed lives, where we live visibly different lives because of our faith in Jesus. And living visibly, visibly different lives requires us from time to time to do an inventory of our lives, discerning what in our lives we need to part with and discerning what God is calling us to incorporate more of into our lives. Uh, this morning, we are going to consider how much we are stuffed with ourselves, full of ourselves. Um, we're going to be challenged to shift our focus off of ourselves and onto others. Uh, the scripture this morning is Philippians chapter 2, uh, verses 1 to 4. You can go ahead and turn there in your Bibles. Uh, Philippians, it's about halfway through the New Testament. Um, I've shared this before, but a good way to remember where to find the book of Philippians is just remember, go eat popcorn. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Okay, so uh, Philippians chapter 2, you can also look it up on your phones if you would like. Um, our scripture reader this morning is Dave Harvey. So Dave, if you can make your way on up to the podium, and as Dave does that, I'm going to ask if you're able to please stand and face the center of the room. Um, we, face, we read from the center of the room to remind us that scripture is to be central in our lives, and we stand because we believe that this is the word of God. And so, Dave, whenever you are ready, please read from Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 to 4. Therefore, if any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded having the same love, being one in spirit and one of mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Dave, thank you very much. You may be seated. I titled this message, Yours Truly. Yours Truly. Now that sounds really selfless. I'm yours truly. Uh, but yours truly is simply another way of saying me. When I say yours truly, I'm talking about me. It sounds like I'm focused on you, but I'm really talking about me. Yours truly, well, that's me. 
and more and more of our lives are about me. Now, you could argue that long ago it, start, you know, it started with things like personalized license plate. And there's nothing wrong with personalized license plates. If you have one, you're fine. God still loves you. It's okay. Uh, but personalized license plate, that's like ancient history. We personalize everything. We want everything to be catered to us. Uh, you know, and the epitome of this is simply social media. We can have pages that are all about us, people who follow you. You are the center. And the business world has picked up on our egocentric focus. There is a business strategy that is called personalization. Personalization, which is tailoring an experience or communication based upon information a company has learned about you. And they get information about you information about your location, and information about what you buy, and information about stores that you shop at, or restaurants you eat at, or websites you visit. And they get this information from our phones and websites that we visit, mobile apps, in-store interactions, online ads that we click on. How many of you remember the Super Bowl commercial from just last week with the floating QR code? Remember that commercial? Anyone see that commercial? Did you guys watch the Super Bowl? Nobody watched? Because the Packers weren't in it. You guys are really supportive of me. Thank you so much. There was a Super Bowl commercial that all it had was a floating QR code on the screen. And the company that did that commercial was called Coinbase. And all they wanted you to do was scan the code. And Coinbase, that company, learned that every person who clicked on that, what they learned the minute that it was clicked on was that person who clicked on it they knew what they were doing at that exact moment. They were watching the Super Bowl. They knew what you were doing the minute you scanned it. And that's the kind of information businesses want today. Now, while that may be scary from a privacy point of view, the reason they do it isn't for big brother reasons. They want to gear their products and their services and communication to you personally, because being focused on you as an individual is good business. Now, we even practice this at TFRC. Um, when we advertise things to the community like Vacation Bible School, we will use Facebook to advertise it. Facebook offers advertising, costs like 100 bucks, to, uh, and we will use it to target local young families we can target who we advertise VBS to on Facebook. And so we can choose people's location and their age and whether or not they have children. And we can target those people to advertise VBS to them. Um, and as individuals, we like things tailored to us. Let's be honest. We like it when people cater to us individually. And when businesses make it all about us, we will do business with those who make us feel special. And so companies are trying to get as much information about us so they can cater to our self-centeredness. That is what they're trying to do. We are stuffed with ourselves. We are full of ourselves. 
And this whole idea of yours truly, me, while this whole idea of me focused, well, it's, it's a poison. Me focused is a poison. Before I jump into the scripture that Dave read, I want us to read a passage from 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy 2, um, chapter 3, verses 2 to 3, it says, People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good. It starts off with saying people will be lovers of themselves and people will be lovers of money. And those two things in this passage set the tone for the rest of that list. The rest of the list is a result from being a lover of self and a lover of money. Uh, this week, we're focusing on being lovers of ourselves. Two weeks ago, we talked about our stuff. Our stuff can also include our money. But when we love ourselves and our money, if that's our focus, well, we by nature then become boastful and proud and abusive and disobedient and ungrateful and unholy and unforgiving and slanderous and brutal. And this makes sense because people who only care about themselves don't care about anyone else. They only care about themselves. And people who don't care about anyone else, they are boastful and proud and they can be abusive and they're disobedient and they're ungrateful and they're unholy and they're unforgiving and they're slanderous and they're brutal. This is poisonous. If our lives are me-focused, we will squash everyone else out of our lives and only do things that are best for us which in the end will leave us alone and empty and bitter. And being around, just we all kind of know people like this. Just think of a person that you know who's kind of like this. Don't name them, don't tell them. If they're in the room, don't look at them, don't point at them. Um, but being around one person who is boastful and proud and abusive and disobedient, ungrateful and unforgiving and slanderous and brutal, we've all experienced someone like that. And one person like that is bad enough, okay? Imagine, now just imagine with me, a place where everyone is like that. Imagine a place where everyone only cared about themselves and they had zero concern for anyone else. And it was a place where everyone was boastful, and everyone was proud, and everyone was abusive, and everyone was disobedient, and everyone was ungrateful, and everyone was unforgiving, and everyone was slanderous, and everyone was brutal. What kind of place would that be? Sounds a little bit like hell, doesn't it? Serious. That sounds like hell. Me focused. It's poisonous. And how would you avoid such a place, right? Because none of us want to be in such a place like that. How would you avoid becoming a lover of self and money if you could only give two pieces of advice to someone to help them stay out of such a state of being? What two pieces of advice would you give? Well, Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, 
with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And the second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Now, because Jesus was ta is talking about our souls, Jesus didn't give advice. He gave commands. Love God, not money. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these because being me-focused is poisonous. So if being me-focused is the poison, well, then being the-focused is the antidote. If we go back to our passage of the morning and we begin at the end, going to verses 3 and 4 of Philippians 2, where it says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. Now, here's my experience with the large majority of you. When you hear about a need, you respond. Every month, we have a monthly missions challenge where we share a need of a mission we partner with, like Adult and Teen Challenge this morning. And every month when we do this, you respond. A couple of weeks ago, I talked about our new associate pastor, Devin Rook, and his family needing help finding a place to rent when they get here and help moving out here. And you responded. He now has a house to rent and a group of people ready to help him move. When you hear about a need, you respond. So responding to a need, I don't think is really the primary challenge for us. I think the primary challenge for us is literally the part that says, looking. Look to the interests of others. Or I would amend that slightly, to look for the interests of others. We respond to needs. We just don't always know about them. And so we need to look for the interests of others. And we can't wait until we hear about the need on a Sunday morning. We have to become students of other people, meaning we put ourselves in positions so that we can learn about others. It means digging deeper into all of our relationships, digging deeper into our family relationships, digging deeper into friendships that we've had for years, digging deeper into our relationships that are just beginning. What matters to them? What are they worried about? What are they hopeful for? What do they care about? Then, when we learn about these things, we can ask, how can I help them? Becoming a student of other people's lives takes energy. <laughs> it takes energy. It takes time. And when you spend that kind of energy and that kind of time being focused on someone else, you spend a lot less time being focused on you. Now, there is more in this verse than just looking to the interests of others. It says, in humility, value others above yourselves. Now, an important qualifier. Considering others better than yourself doesn't mean they are better than you. That is not what that means. It's easy to get that confused. 
You don't think other people are better than you. You just value them that way. That is an important difference. We often see our strengths and the value we bring. So rather than focusing on our strength and values, focus on the strength and values in others. Now, that doesn't mean we ignore our strengths and values and what we bring to the table. It simply means we focus on the values others bring. Because my problem is, I often see what's wrong with other people. Yes, is this not true? We are really good at seeing, hey, what's wrong with you? I can tell you, okay? This verse instructs me, to see what is right with other people. And here's a challenging exercise for all of us. Each day, each day, identify three positive characteristics of someone else and make it like the same person. One person, identify three positive characteristics about them. And go ahead, you can start with family and friends. But just do that one person, three positive characteristics every day. And if you start with family and friends, that might get you through the first month, maybe, okay? But each day, make it a point to notice the giftedness, the goodness in others. How often do you see the needs of others and how often do you see the positive qualities of others? The antidote to the poison of being me-focused is being the-focused, being other-focused. And the after-effect of taking the focus off of myself, the after-effect of taking the focus off of myself is true fulfillment. Paul tells us in Philippians 2, the motivation for being focused on others. Going back to the first two verses that we read this morning. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Look, we are self-centered because we want to be taken care of. We need to be taken care of. And there's nothing wrong with having our needs met. Uh, we, need, we need to have our needs met. God knows that we need food to eat and clothes to wear and places to live. God knows that. But there is more to life than what we eat and what we wear. And as we heard two weeks ago, life is not found in the abundance of possessions. Martin Luther King Jr. said many years ago, a man who won't die for something is not fit to live. A man who won't die for something is not fit to live. In other words, in order for us to truly live, we must give our lives to something bigger than ourselves. And think about it. As hard as it is sometimes to do that, every time we focus on something other than ourselves and give a part of us to it, it adds meaning to our lives. 
It doesn't take meaning away. It adds meaning. And Paul says that we are united in Christ, that we are in the love of Christ, that we share in the same spirit of God. And because of that, we are like-minded and we have the same love and we are one in spirit and mind. And all of that can be summed up in because Jesus died for us, we live for him. And we join together because we are a part of something bigger than us. We're about Jesus. We are united in Christ and we come together and worship him because of the love of Christ. And we gather from preschool kid age all the way to young at heart. And we will gather to study God's word and to pray together and to spur one another on towards a greater maturity in the faith. It's why we're even doing things like this prayer experience, not just to teach us about prayer, but for us to come together and pray and experience the presence of Christ in ways many of us don't always get to. And because of the Spirit of Christ, we go into the world in mission, bridging relational gaps as we go, from summer serve to sports camps, from mustard seed to Malawi to mission trips to Thailand, adult and teen challenge, we talked about it even this morning. Everyday encounters with those who don't have faith in Jesus. It's why this cause of living for Jesus, it's why we live visibly different lives because of our faith in Jesus. Everything we are about here at TFRC isn't for us. It's for the one who gave his life for us. The King of kings, the Lord of lords, that is where we find eternal meaning. We will never find that kind of meaning in us. We have to look outside ourselves. We are called to give up more and more of ourselves to make room for God to instill true meaning into our lives. And the good news, the good news is God is focused on others. God is not self-centered. It is in God's nature to care for us. We do not have to work to get God's attention. God is always paying attention. As it says in 1 Peter, cast all of your anxiety on him because he cares for you. And he doesn't care for you because of what we do. He cares for us because of who he is. It is simply in his nature. God's mercy is greater than anything we can do. It's greater than any sin we can commit. We cannot be disqualified from the fact that God cares for us. And Paul concludes his exhortation to the Philippians with citing Jesus as an example, continuing on in Philippians chapter 2, beginning in verse 5. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage, but rather he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance of, 
as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death. Yes, even death on a cross. It is God's nature to care about us. God loves us so much that Jesus made himself nothing, took the nature of a human servant, died on the cross. God's mercy is greater than our sin. God's selflessness is seen in Jesus. And that's, that is good news. Please pray with me. And Lord, we do thank you for your good nature. How you are, are others focused by nature. You care for us because that is who you are. And Lord, I would ask that you would give each of us that same spirit. That we would not look for meaning and value um, in, in ourselves. But Lord, that we would find our meaning in you. And Lord, to live for the one who died for us. And it's in the name of Jesus, our Savior, we pray. Amen. Receive God's blessing. And may the Lord bless you and keep you. And may the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Amen.